0: I think it's important now more than ever for people to have something else. And Joanne and I realize that we need something that's ours, that we own, right? That no one can cancel. No one can fire us. We're the bosses.
1: My name is Linda Laurel, and I'm asking you to have the courage to listen with an open mind to all of our voices, because our voices matter. I want to take a moment to thank BMW of West Houston for sponsoring this episode of our Voices Matter podcast. BMW, of course, is known as the ultimate driving machine because of its precision and power. As someone who has driven a BMW for many years now, I can attest to that firsthand. But I think what's even more important, especially about this particular BMW dealership, is that it understands the power and the impact of giving back to its community. BMW of West Houston is known for its support of countless local charities, and that is important to us here at our Voices Matter podcast. So if you choose to do business with BMW of West Houston, not only will you be getting the stellar first-class service that the dealership is known for, but you can also rest assured that you are doing business with a dealership that truly cares about and gives back to its community. Hi, everybody. It's Linda Laurel, and this is our Voices Matter podcast. I've got a real treat for you today. My conversation is with my friend and former colleague, Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jackie Reed. Jackie and I met back in the day here in Houston in the newsroom at KPRC-TV. From there, she went on to anchor CNN Headline News and then BET Nightly News. Jackie also did a 14-year stint on the radio on the Tom Joyner Morning Show. These days, you can catch her as the co-host of Read This, Read That, a very popular podcast with Joy Reid, who is an anchor at MSNBC. And Jackie's primary focus today, in addition to that podcast, is promoting her brand, Vegan Sexy Cool, which has its own podcast. She's a media maven, as I said, an Emmy Award winner, and just all around fabulous. Here's my conversation now with Jackie Reed. Jackie Reed, girl, it is so good to see you. I cannot believe we have finally made this happen. It's been three years in the making.
0: How crazy (laughs) is it? How crazy that it's been three years since we first talked about this, but it feels like it's been like one year with everything that's happened with the pandemic and everything. It's just time has kind of slow down it's it's going fast but slow to me when i talk about last year to people i'm talking about 2019 in so many cases it just seems like everything yeah. has been a blur over the past 3 years but yes uh, here we finally are
1: <laughs> but here we finally are and you my friend are just flourishing um i love following you on social media with all that you're doing with your vegan, vegan sexy cool <laughs> brand and, and your podcast on that and your podcast with the amazing, incomparable joy read of MSNBC. Read this, read that. So let's, let's start with vegan sexy cool yeah. because you wrote something on your website that I'm going to read that really hit me. You said January, 2021 marked my three year anniversary as a vegan. I love myself every day for making the choice. I chose kindness. I chose to fight for the voiceless. So fighting for the voiceless. Every, everyone's voice matters, including the voices of our animals. And that's not something that we've talked about on this podcast. So you are going to be the one to bring that part of the conversation to our audience. So share with us why this is so important to you.
0: Yeah. You know, A lot of people don't realize when they're eating hamburgers, steak, chicken, even fish, so many things, drinking milk, that there are things that happen before those items end up on your plate or in your glass. And so many of us kind of want to, we kind of know, but we don't want to know. And if you let yourself really take a look at it, you too would strongly consider or just go ahead and go vegan. Veganism is not, and a lot of people don't know this, so I do want to say this, it's not just about your food, right? It's not a diet. It is an actual lifestyle. It is an act of activism, right? And it is an act of activism in the fight to save innocent, sentient beings. Because... You know, a lot of times I was on the Wendy Williams show recently talking about vegan, sexy, cool. And one of the things the producer said to me is because I wasn't just talking about food. I was talking about fashion and and beauty products, makeup, hair care, all that kind of stuff, you know, where they have so many vegan things, uh, vegan options for you right now. And the producer said, tell me why I want these things. And I over you know, what's already out there. Why do I want the vegan version of these things? Explain that to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, primarily it's because of the animals. And she was like, nobody wants to hear about that. (laughs) And people don't want to talk about it. But the suffering that is happening to the extent that it is happening, you know, the it is just extreme cruelty and unnecessary. Angela Davis, the great activist, Dick Gregory, another, the late Dick Gregory, another great activist, both vegans, four animals, both ethical vegans, because they were aware of the suffering that was happening to all these animals unnecessarily just so we can have pleasure just so we can enjoy a burger, just so we can wear a leather jacket. And listen, I was there too. This month marks my fourth year anniversary. And I knew, but I didn't know. But then once I said to myself, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look and investigate this. You know, I'm a journalist like you. I said, let me really look into this. Let me let myself listen. see what is happening to these animals. If you see... It took one time for me to see a calf being taken away from its mother. Cows out there are not automatically producing milk and they're not these happy cows. These are mothers, right? Who have just given birth. Mm -hmm. So just like women produce milk when we're pregnant, cows produce milk when they're pregnant. And so the minute these cows are born, these calves are born, they are taken away from, they never get to even cuddle with their mother's experience, any life, any nurturing, they're taken away. The boy calves, because they won't produce milk, because their males are either killed for veal instantly, or they're used for calf leather. How many things? So these babies are used for that. And then the females Mm -hmm. are instantly taken away and put in pens, and they are fed milk via machine in most cases. And when they get old enough, they are artificially impregnated so that they can produce milk. I like to equate it to what we saw in the first uh, movie of The Matrix, where if you take that Mm. pill, right? I can't remember if it's the blue pill or the red pill, but if you take the pill that lets you see the truth of what's going on behind factory farming, you would be appalled Mm -hmm. because it is not necessary. The cruelty that's involved in it and not just the animals, right? But the workers in these industries. Remember during the pandemic when workers in the meat industry were being mistreated beyond and then the mental impact it takes on these people who are usually people who don't have a lot of means. So this is a job that they're mm-hmm. taking. This is not some career. This is the job that they could get. It's usually low-wage workers um, in not so great with not so great benefits, not great working conditions, right? And they have to deal with the fact that they are murdering animals on a regular basis. And yeah. So so there's that part of it. Right. But then there's the environmental mm-hmm. impact right there. the There's the deforestation that's happening around the world because these animals that are raised for our consumption. Right. They need to they need to eat grass, the ones that are on land and it destroys the land. So once they. They can use that land for so long, then they gotta move somewhere else. So we have rainforest being destroyed and all those things. And then on top of that, all of the water and the food that goes to feed these animals, which could be going towards people, right? Think about the starvation Mm -hmm. around this world. And to top it all off, we don't need animal meat to survive. We don't need animal fur to stay warm we don't need leather seats in our car. There's such innovation, especially today in the world of vegan products that this doesn't have to happen. And so that was why I became a vegan. I mean, the health part of it is a big part of it too. But for me, it started out for ethical reasons and environmental reasons. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm feeling better, the inflammation in my body, has gone away, Linda I had gotten to the point where it was hard for me to walk upstairs because I had what was called runner's knee. And yeah. and so the doctor, they put I, I went through physical therapy, I did all these things. It wasn't really getting better. So every time I got in and out of a car, whenever I put on heels, whenever I would go and work out, my knees were bothering me. Once I went vegan, maybe about a month or two in. And I didn't even clock it. I was just like, all of a sudden, I realized I was walking up these subway steps in New York and my knees were not hurting me. And it was like this dull pain. It wasn't excruciating, but it was kind of like for many of us, it's like, well, you know, I guess I'm gonna have this chronic pain that's just gonna be my life. It doesn't have to be our lives. Those of us with back pain, arthritis, all those things, a lot of that is tied to the meat and the dairy that we are consuming. That milk is not for us.
1: (laughs) You know what, Jackie, what you, everything that you just described really speaks to your background in journalism, because clearly you did the research and you have connected the dots in all of these different areas to back to being a vegan and why and and, and the impact that it can make. So we just kind of we just kind of jumped right in, and obviously, you know, I the, I will co- have recorded an intro before this conversation and telling people more about who you are. Yeah. But um, just tell our our audience just a little bit about your background in journalism, um, because you and I met uh, in the newsroom at KPRC here in Houston yeah. back in the day before you moved on to. Uh, CNN and and other places. So give us a brief snapshot of your your journalistic history. Yeah,
0: I started in local news in Brunswick, Georgia, and then went to Lexington, Kentucky, and then Houston, Texas, as you said, and had the opportunity to Mm -hmm. work with you and the other fine folks at KPRC. Then I went to CNN Headline News. And from there, I went to help launch BET Nightly News, which was a collaboration between BET and CBS News. So it was really this groundbreaking, you know, product that we were doing for the first time in the way that that African-American focused news was covered. Um, We were in the CBS Mm -hmm. News building in New York City. It was just an incredible experience. And from there, I transitioned into doing radio and that, you know, it was at BET, Linda, where I kind of said to myself, do I still want to keep doing news And I realized that I didn't. I realized that I wanted to do more only because, and you know this all too well, news can take a a toll on your psyche, covering the murders, covering the death, all the negativity. Even now with everything that's going on, I have the luxury because I'm not covering news every day to turn it off. I don't have to wake up and read what's going on in the world and all the negativity because of what I do now. It just really, It really affected me in a way where there was just this sadness that would come over me when I was covering certain stories. And so I didn't want to do that anymore. And at BET, I saw a way to do more. Um, And so I started wanting to do entertainment. I got into radio. And then when I came back to TV after doing radio for a bit, I focused on lifestyle and entertainment content from there. And most yeah. recently, I was working at NBC in New York and in Boston um, doing lifestyle, entertainment and lifestyle shows there. And now I have stepped away from all of that. And now I am a influencer, content creator in the lifestyle space, in the vegan lifestyle space specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of just hearing you talk about the the mental toll that it can take on you as a journalist when you're... You know, in the trenches every day, and you're covering all the, the conflict and the, the negativity that that really is a part of the business. Yeah. You know, it's things that you can't ignore, but it it can take a toll on your on your mental health. And um, you know, I'm thinking about um, something that tragic that happened yesterday. Um, as we're recording this, um, uh, Chesley Chris yeah. um, took her her own life yesterday. Um, former Miss America. Uh, correspondent for Extra. Um, What did you think when you heard that? I don't know if you knew her, Um, but it kind of speaks to this whole idea of just our mental health and how we really need to be paying attention to our own health and that of our friends and loved
0: ones. Yeah, it, it broke my heart. Uh, I did not know her, but a lot of people that I know friends in the business knew her really well. And so I had a lot mm-hmm. of conversations about her. And as I was looking on social media and looking, you know, as the people that I follow who are friends of mine, who knew her, that was a such a big part of the conversation. Um, Ed Gordon, uh, a good friend of mine, um, You know, he has a podcast. I'm doing his podcast uh, today as well. He knew her and posted about it. And it's just, it it broke my heart because people think, you know, because she was on camera. um, She did work in in, in entertainment uh, as a correspondent. And people think that what we do, those of us who are in front of the camera in any kind of way, that it is just so glamorous and life is so good and everything's great and we're so happy. And it's not true, you know, there's so many. Now, you know, through this pandemic, a lot of people, myself included, started talking openly about having anxiety, started talking openly about having depression, um, started talking openly openly about not being okay. Um, because there's this perception you know, there there's just, and, and for people who do this, right? Whether you're an influencer, whether you're on TV as, you know, an anchor, a reporter, or some kind of talent that we also kind of feel the pressure to be perfect, to present something that's aspirational for people, as opposed to just mm-hmm. being more authentic, which is what I think a lot of people need and being able to say, Hey, I'm not okay. Um, so it really broke my heart because I don't know the details of what happened. I don't know her, but she was a young black woman who just walked as a role model for so many and for this mm-hmm. type of death to be so public, it's just tragic. It's heartbreaking. And there just it seems is. to be so much death happening right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just whether or not someone's yeah. dying of 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 sickness, you know, due to the virus, whether it's something else, cancer or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then people mm-hmm. taking their lives, you know, Regina King's son, and now this young lady reportedly. Mm-hmm. It's just heartbreaking right now. It's a tough time for people in general. So it, it broke my heart, but it also made me worry about uh, people that I know and even people that I don't know who are not okay right now and the isolation that's coming with the world and the way it is now. And just really, it speaks to me, Linda. It makes me say, Hey, talk about these things. Talk about yourself, be more authentic, let people know when things are not okay. So they don't feel alone.
1: Exactly. The, the loneliness and the, and the the feeling of just being excluded in whatever way, for whatever reason, Um, you know, on this podcast, we always talk about what it feels like to be othered, to be the other and, um, and I always, always ask my guests, you know, to share with us a, an experience, whether it be personal or on a professional level, where you were made to feel like the other. And what, what you learned from that, you know, how did you respond to it in the moment? What did you learn from it? And then how are you using those lessons learned to show up the way
0: you do today? Whew. <laughs> Ooh, there you know, know. It, it, it really <laughs> it, it's been throughout my career because as you know there are not many of us in newsrooms right there are not many of us in these spaces if if it's you know if it's one if, if you're not the only one you're one of two or three typically depending on where you work um and so there are those instances where happen that happen that make you feel like the other I you know Most recently, it would be my experience at the NBC lifestyle entertainment show that I did. And there were so many moments where I had to be the educator, where I had to show up and say, hey, listen, I'm not doing, uh, or if we talk about The Bachelor, I'm gonna say, and this was some years ago before they started including people of color in this show Mm -hmm. in a major Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And whether or not you like that show or not, whether it's your thing, it's about what's happening. It's a representation of what's happening at at the networks, on TV and what decisions are being made and the way that they see us. And I had a problem Mm -hmm. with the fact that people who looked like me were not included in this space. And so I would say that mm-hmm. on the air, I would say, I don't watch this show because it's racist. And I remember talking in a meeting before we went on the air that day. And I said that in the meeting, one of my producers was like, who was a white woman said, huh, oh, I never thought about that. I never thought that they never had a black ba- bachelor. And I was like, yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing, you know, that I deal with all the time. And then it was Mm -hmm. the, you know, back when Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, it was like those back to back police shootings of black men. And then there were the protests Mm -hmm. in Texas, Mm -hmm. you know, where police officers you know, we're, we're killed and all of Mm -hmm. that was happening, but I was having to go on the air and say, Hey, everybody it's national puppy day. Or, you know, let's have some, like, I, I was not, we weren't talking about those things in that space, but it was affecting me. And I remember one coworker of mine, um, who is a dear friend to this day, said to me, hey, are you okay? Because there were protests happening in the streets of New York and around the world because of this. We were getting ready for the tree lighting at Rockefeller Center. And there were concerns that there were going to be marches and it was going to be crowded, trying to get home after that and all those kinds of things. And I'm wrestling with all of that in my mind. And Joy Reed and I, we actually were talking about doing a town hall um, with, because whether you were an editor, a photographer, a producer, or on air, if you were a black person, that stuff was impacting you. And imagine if you were having to report on that content or write about that content in some kind of way, that was having an impact. And we wanted to do a town hall at NBC and we were told no, that we could not do that. and so there there are just so many instances where I've had to speak up and say, "Hey, we're talking about red carpet coverage of, of the Oscars, and there are no people of color in the actresses and actors that we're talking about. We need to re- we need to redo the. So I had would often have to play not just host but producer um, many times. And you know, it took a while because there would be times too on our show where we did beauty and fashion all the models would be white all, you know, and I would say, why, why don't we have more people of color more black people, you know, as models, we like makeup too. We care about how we wear our hair too. And then we would be doing stories like going blonde for the summer, going, you know, blonde or brunette, which do you like? And it, there was just no thought about mm-hmm. in, a, in a city like New York, of how do we include black people more? So I I was the only black person on that show for a while. And I often, you know, there was a produ- another producer for some time, but then she left and it was just me. So I would often be that only person. And it's a big responsibility, as you know, to have to be that person. Um, but it's not one that I could take the, take a day off from because I felt like it was too important just to be like, you know, just let them do what they do. I I just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm I'm just going to collect my paycheck and just show up. That was not who I was. I understand people who feel that way because it is a lot of responsibility and that comes with that. But those are just mm. some of the examples, but they're just so many, so many. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I, I can relate to, to so much of what you said. And, you know, when I, when I the story you just told about being, being affected by what's going on in the world, you know, the police shootings. And my niece was telling me about, um, I think this was after George Floyd and, uh, and she is a, uh, an executive at a, at a major, major firm, um, in the Midwest. And she, you know, was expected to just show up on the zoom call, like everything was fine. And finally, you know, she she went to the head of the company and she's like, I am not okay. And there are black people working in this company who are not okay. And you need to pay attention. You need to do better. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, like you say, it's a responsibility. Um, but it's the reality that, you know, that we're living in and see all of those things together when you combine them, you know, day after day, after day, after day, it takes a toll. It takes a mental toll. And so, you know, getting back to, to Chesley and and all of those others who are struggling with their mental health, you know, it's all connected and it, and it, and it all comes back to the quality of, of human connection, right. And whether, whether we are able to see each other, really see each other and accept each other for who we are as human beings and using that as the as the baseline and then moving forward from there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So I know, you know, you're not um, dealing with this kind of content anymore um, as you're doing more of the, um, I know you're in your vegan, sexy, cool space and you were doing entertainment for a while you kind of moved away from news, but you do have a chance to kind of weigh in on it a little bit here and there, particularly on the, podcast that you do with joy you mentioned joy reed from msnbc so tell me how read this read that came about and and what you love about doing that particular podcast
0: yeah, well, Joy, I call her Joy Ann. Joy Reed and I are really, really good friends. We have been for years. We met at NBC. She was a managing editor at the Grio at the time, and I was working at uh, the TV show New York Live, so we were both in the building. And we just really became good friends. I had a group of interns that I was bringing to New York for the summer um, from my undergraduate alma mater, uh, Clark Atlanta University. And so I had to place a lot of them in internships, and she took a whole bunch of the students and put them as interns oh. at the Grio, And that's kind of where our relationship blossomed. And then okay. oh, like about, so we've been girlfriends hanging out, doing things, um, You know, over the years, getting together, her daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, dog sits my dogs. You know what I mean? Like we're we're family. We are play cousins, really. Our lives play cousins. I love it. We are play cousins. Same last name,
1: but not really
0: related. (laughs) And everybody thinks we're related anyway, too. So they're I'm sure
1: they do. Yeah. So we
0: years ago, like about four years ago four or five years ago, I forget. I t- This pandemic has me messed up. Four or five years ago, we <laughs> were thinking about doing a... Television show together, something fun. She was still doing weekends on AM Joy. And we were like, you know, I think it's important in this business. And I wish I knew this, Linda, back when I was at KPRC and before that, it's good to have a side hustle in this business um, because this business is mm. fickle. And I think it yeah. is smart and being the business of TV news. Uh, I think it's smart to have a website, a podcast um, to, to, you know, and social media wasn't around, you know, in those days when I was at KPRC, but I think it's important mm-hmm. now more than ever for people to have something else. And Joanne and I realized that we need something that's ours that we own, right. That no one can right, cancel. Right. No one can fire us. We're the bosses. And so we were going to do a TV mm-hmm. show because podcasts were still relatively new. Right. And I said, girl, we need to do a podcast. I, you know, because I had been hearing about it because I work in, I was working in lifestyle and entertainment and we were covering these podcasts. Mm -hmm. I think Serial was the big podcast at the time, Um, shortly after that. And I was like, we need to explore this. And she was like, no, we need to do a TV show. I said, "Mm mm-mm. We need to do a podcast. So it really took us about a year and a half to kind of figure it out. What is a podcast? How do you make this work? Is it like a radio show?
1: Girl, I'm with. I did exactly right? the
0: same thing. What is a what podcast? Is you know, we had to. Re- <laughs> how do we record it? Do we need to be in a studio? Do we? You know, like we had right. to figure all those. So we had some serious. Like uh-huh. we could do a podcast on the growing pains of our podcast. I,
1: I bet. I oh bet. Oh my god. To be a fly on the wall during those conversations.
0: <laughs> it is. You know, but when we when it finally clicked for us. We were like, OK, and now, you know, thanks to uh, the coronavirus, we realized we could do it at home. We could be in two different spaces. We could just, and we could have been doing this all along. We could have, we would have been, we right. started off in the serious studios. We went to so many different studios trying to, you know, I know. With professional same. microphones. I did
1: the same thing. Uh,
0: It was like, why? So now we figured it all out. So, yeah. So then with Read This, Read That, um, and that was the name we came up with because of our last names. And we just said, we're going to just, you know, really have an opportunity to just be girl two girlfriends. You know, started out with cocktails, which is why we have our wine down, but now the time that we do it is right before mm-hmm. Joanne jo- jo- Joanne goes on air. So she can't drink. She can't drink. She can't drink. <laughs> so you know we're trying to re- try to refigure, you know, figure that out and do something different like mocktails or something like that. But yeah. so it is kind of like girlfriend time. And it is a time for us to just talk about what's going on in the world as it relates to us. We yeah. talk about topics that we're connected to. We ca- Sometimes right before we start, we'll have a list of things and we'll be like, ah, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about this. Oh, let's add that. It really is very organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just really girlfriend time. And we have a lot of fun. Like Joyanne, as busy as I am, she is 10 times as busy, particularly now that she's Monday through Friday with the readout. And I have yeah. said to her so many times, Linda. Listen, girl, if you don't want to do this anymore, I get it. I get. It. I have given yeah. her a we good. Go on. I know you're too busy.
1: Go do your. Go thing. do you, yeah. girl.
0: And we are. Yeah. We are all uh-huh. good. She will not do it, and it's because she said this is therapeutic for her. This is a, a time like, for her to have so. fun. Yeah. To just let loose, to talk without, mm-hmm. you know, being having to be so careful and have time constraints and things like that. And Joanne, I—if mm-hmm. I, you really listen to the podcast, I've said to her several times, she needs to audition for Saturday Night Live. That girl is so funny. She does voices. <laughs> she is She's funny. She's hilarious. She's hilarious. Like, she is crazy. And this gives her an <laughs> opportunity. You'll see a little bit of that on the readout, but on our show. You get to hear all of that and more. It And it's us yeah. talking about our, we have the same woman that does our wigs. We talk about wigs. We talk <laughs> about menopause. We talk about, we talk about <laughs> dieting and she talks about her kids. We talk about our animals. Her kids, I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. you get that up close and personal side of us as well as our take on so many um issues. I
1: I love it. I it's love fun. it. I, I, I listen to you guys when I'm going for my, my walk, you know, <laughs> I've, I've got, you you guys on and I'm cracking up the whole time. It's so much fun. It's just, it's, it's, it's therapy for, for your fans that are, you know, that are listening. So oh, I love, that. Uh, love love what you guys are doing. You mentioned briefly your, um, uh, the interns that's, that you brought in from Clark Atlanta university, your alma mater. So tell me more about, about the work that you do with them, yeah, with the young people
0: out there. I love doing this. I love giving back and I love you know, just coaching students and preparing them for this business, teaching what mm-hmm. I've learned over the years, what I wish I knew back then, um, and particularly for a lot of HBCUs out there. You know, I, I went to Clark for undergrad and I went to Northwestern for graduate school and just mm-hmm. the the resources that were at Northwestern that we did not have at Clark. And Clark is a great school, but the money there is not what the money is at Northwestern. And so the resources, yeah. what the students have access to, it's very different. So I wanted to help level the playing field um, specifically for students at Clark. And so mm-hmm. for three summers, I brought students up to New York for an eight week boot camp. in the, you know, that they would have internships, but they would also have workshops with me and fellow journalists. They got to meet with Robin Roberts at GMA, Soledad O'Brien. I mean, it just goes on and on the people who, Took the time to pour into them, and they got to do podcast episodes. They journaled on a regular basis. They had writing coaches. It was intense. It was a, they got to do live shots. It was a lot, um, you know, mock live shots. Wow. So it was a it was a lot that they mm-hmm. got to learn. It was a great experience. And then it just became too much for me to do on my own to bring them to New York. And so I st- what I started doing instead was just virtually uh, taking internships and coaching them. So for me. I don't just take internships and give them tasks. I also do workshops with them. I also have guest speakers um, so to pour into them. So they're not only learning, they're also building their contact list as well. Now they have people that they can have a relationship outside of me that are professionals in the building where once they get on the job mm-hmm. while they're in school, they can talk to if they need references, all that stuff. So that's what I'm doing now. And I have four great interns that I'm working with right now. And they are basically producing the read this, read that podcast, you know, from soup to nuts. They each take a portion of what it takes to produce a podcast and they rotate. And so Mm -hmm. they're doing that in Mm -hmm. addition to learning social media, because I think social media is so important for young people to know, even if you're not someone who wants to be in front of the camera knowing how to manage social media and understanding what it is and what's new about it you know you know what's what's IG reels what's an IG story what's TikTok how do you, oh, you know girl, please. understanding <laughs> I know right can, Under- can I be can I be one of your interns <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you girl I, I have been learning along with them and it, it is not, woo, it's, it's hard keeping up isn't it I know
1: I know oh my god Ooh. it's just every day it's like okay yes. I gotta be on this platform on. and I got to be on that platform and I got to do this, this aspect ratio. And I mean, it's crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy. But I love that. I love that you're pouring into the young people yeah. out there and giving them the benefit of your experience and, and knowledge and expertise. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Really kudos to Thank you, you for doing that. Absolutely. Well, my friend, I really don't want this conversation to end, but um, I, I just have so enjoyed catching up with you again and just just know that i am rooting you on i am i'm following everything that you do I'm trying vegan butter. Okay. I read, I read the, the post on your, on your website about your, your, uh, your 12 month challenge. And the first thing is to start with vegan butter, yes. right? Yep. So I'm going to try it. You can do. I'm going to be reaching out to you. Okay. Appreciate the, the education that you have provided, um, our, our listeners and our viewers today about veganism and, uh, I just think you are amazing. You're such a shining bright light and we need more people like you in this world,
0: my friend. Thank you, Linda Laurel. And right back to, you know, I got to say your whole name when I say your name. I'm watching all that you're doing and I love it. I love that you have um, this podcast. I really, really do. And I learned so much from, you know, just, leaning into what you're doing. I love, I love the way that you do it. You do everything with the spirit of excellence. You always have. Um, and so I have shifted how I'm doing things. I'm going to look into this platform now to maybe start doing (laughs) my podcast on this platform as well. I learned so much from you. So thank you for all that you do.
1: Of course. Of course. I'm all about sharing, sharing best practices and just sharing. you know, there's enough for all of us. We just got to support each other. And that's what I'm always going to support you. Love you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. As you can see, Jackie's got a lot going on. And we, of course, will link to everything that she's up to in the show notes. Thanks again to Jackie for sharing her time with us. And thank you for giving her permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. If you've not already done so, please download, like, subscribe, and share. We love having you as part of our community. We'll see you next time. Thanks again to our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. There's a special offer for members of the Our Voices Matter podcast community. Just click the link in the show notes, bmwwest.com.